we used to read the first paragraph of these stories. Do you want to reread the first paragraph? Sure. That the first paragraph is the most weird paragraph in my opinion in this whole I story. I thought the first paragraph is beautiful. So why don't you go ahead and read it? Fog, night breath of the river, luring without whispering in the thick crown of an elm, huddling without creaking around the base of a chimney. It drifted past porch lights and in passing blurred them, dropped over the street lights and in dropping grayed them. It crept in with midnight to stay until dawn. There was no wind to bring the light out of hiding. So that was the first paragraph, the actual opening paragraph of If Damon Comes by Charles L. Grant, a short story uh, in The Dark Descent, in The Color of Evil by David G. Hartwell. And you said to me before we started recording, you liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe it helps that I just finished Frankenstein and it's written in a very similar style. How so? Just the flowery language and the, oh, woe is me sort of thought process that the protagonist has. There is sort of an, oh, woe is me thought process, isn't there? Especially for a guy who slaps his wife halfway through the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the, uh, well, okay, so you like the story. Did you find it terrifying? I didn't find it terrifying. I just finished watching a horror movie, though, so my fear senses were kind of like. Did you dull. watch The Grudge again? No, I watched Hell House 2. Oh. With my mom. Yes. Not The Grudge. Not The Grudge remake reboot. <sighs> we don't talk about that movie. It just makes me angry. So you think that maybe like you were in a horror mood, so it kind of colored your perception a little bit? No, I think that I might have found it a bit creepier if I hadn't just watched a horror movie. Oh, I see. Uh, because I've done some reading on this, and uh, a few writers have been like, this short story terrified me so much that I read it and reread it in an attempt to lessen the impact, and it's never been lessened. I didn't think it was terrifying, is the point I'm getting at. You thought it was confusing. I thought it was confusing, and, like, I don't I don't know what I thought of I've read it several times now, and I'm like, I don't know what I think of this short story. I have no clear thoughts on it. It reminds me of Pet Cemetery. Oh, bo oh boy. Okay, wow. <laughs> You've got clearer thoughts on this than I do, and that's unusual for this show. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of this show, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's, it's Del, Toro Del Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time. So Charles L. Grant, before we dip into If Damon Comes, If Damon Comes. First of all, I don't like the name Damon. Can I just get that right off my chest? Can I say that? Is that allowed to be said? Yeah. Okay. I don't like the name Damon. Uh, it's a fake name. It's a false name, and I won't have it. <laughs> One sec. Are you looking up Damon to see if it's a real name? There's like 700 people named Damon that are famous. I, yes, I know. <laughs> Damon Wayans being first among them. Actually, the first person who comes up is a fictional character when you Google that name. Who? Uh, Damon Salvatore from the Vampire Diaries. Oh, dude, I'm not familiar with Damon Salvatore. Although I did watch an hour and a half long video about the Vampire Diaries the other day. Why? Because <laughs> it cracked me up. So uh, I am not familiar. I, I am. I think I may have actually known someone named Damon in my life. It's such a well. You right? knew. No, it's a, that's it's not a, the guy you knew. It's the last name... name. Is what it is. That's true. Uh, Damon Runyon, who wrote Guys and Dolls, he's a he's a, a, a famous Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon, but not Damon Matt. 
That would be a dumb name. (laughs) Matt is a terrible (laughs) last name, by the way. Matt (laughs) is a worse last name than Damon is a first name. Damon Matt. (laughs) Um, Affleck Ben. So (laughs) Affleck, Affleck Ben. Never mind. I was trying to come up with a fun (laughs) sentence that used Affleck Ben. No, but Damon seems like a... Damon seems like a writer name. Like, I want an Mm -hmm. interesting name for this kid. I could name him Jack or Billy, but I'm going to name him Damon. And that just, it gets in the way. I don't know why. If if his name had been Jack or even Lil Jack or Jack Jack, I'd have been like, great. John John, I'd have been fine. For some reason, Damon just, it's trying too hard to be an interesting name. I don't don't know. know. I don't know. I think Damon's a pretty common name. One sec. (laughs) (laughs) No. The only Damons we know are Damon Wayans, Damon Runyon, that vampire, and Matt Damon. There are 59,306 boys in the United States that have been named Damon. Damed Damon. So, Charles L. Grant. (laughs) Charles L. Grant has written about 50,000 books and short stories. Charles L. Grant was born in 1942. He died in 2006. It's a Greek name. Yes, I'm aware. I'm aware that Damon is a real name. I'm. Not, I'm just saying that it's too slightly odd. I wish it had just been a, a more when generic. When did this story name. come out? This story, okay. If Damon comes, this story originally came out in nineteen. I want to say nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, uh, well, 19, okay. yeah, nineteen seventy-eight. Okay. Re- well, here's a little tidbit of information. Okay. In 1976, two years before this story came out, the most people in the U.S. were given the name Damon. Well, I guess I'm the worst man. <laughs> I guess I don't know anything about Damon's. <laughs> Color me Damon. If any listeners out there are named Damon, my sincere apologies for doubting the validity of your name. I know that Damon is a name. I'm just saying that from a storytelling perspective, I found it distracting. But that's not, okay. That sounds like a you problem. (laughs) It's a me problem. I apologize. Were I a writing teacher and you were my student and you brought me this story, I'd be like, change the name. And then years later, you would publish it and be famous. And then you'd you'd write me a letter that said like, ha ha, I guess it was a good name after all, Mr. Gonzalez. And I'd be like, well, shut my mouth. I guess it's a good name. No, if I was... If I was writing this story and I named my character Damon and you told me to change it, I would do exactly what I just did. Which was? Which is Google the how common the name Damon is uh-huh. and use that as validity for naming a character Damon. I'm the worst man. This is why I'm not a famous man. <laughs> uh, because I do not put trust in my Damons. So Charles L. Grant. Charles L. Grant died in 2006. Uh, he suffered a lot of health problems up till then. Um, he died of a heart attack in 2006. But... He is a guy, I searched for information on him. It's few and far between, and most of the information on him came after his death. Like, people only wrote about him after his death. But this guy, he wrote, okay, just a brief rundown. He wrote under the names Jeffrey Marsh, Lionel Fenn, Simon Lake, Felicia Andrews, Deborah Lewis. And he didn't just write under these names. He had full series under these names. Like, uh, as Jeffrey Marsh, the Lincoln Blackthorn series, which was four novels long. Uh, As Lionel Fenn, the Kent Montana series. The Quest for the White Duck series. The Diego series. As Simon Lake, the Midnight Palace series. As Mark Rivers, the Taggart Point series. As Timothy Boggs, a bunch of Hercules tie 
tie-in novels. He also wrote X X Files tie-in novels. He wrote a series called the Private School series. As Steven, this guy wrote so many novels. He edited the Shadows anthologies, which I've actually read several volumes of. A bunch of short stories, uh, ten volumes of the Shadows. He this guy never stopped working, and yet, and yet, you just most people don't know his name. He's not a household name, uh, but his one of his big contributions was the Ox Run Station series. Ox Run Station, a fictional town where weird things happen, kind of like Arkham, kind of like uh, like Salem's Lot, kind of like, uh, 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 what's the famous Stephen King one? Um, it's called... They just, Dairy? Just, well, Dairy, but there's a famous one that they just, it just had a TV series named after it, and it was called Castle Rock. Castle Rock, the big famous, like, it's one of those towns, like, just, it attracts weirdness. And Ox Run Station is where this short story is set. Uh, I actually wanted to read an Ox Run Station novel before we record it, and I've gotten most of the way through the first Ox Run Station novel. Uh, haven't finished it yet. It's... Amber alert. Amber alert. Amber alert. Oh, my goodness. White Jeep. 2005 White Jeep Grand Cherokee SUV. Good night. All right, well, that's the end of the episode because I just had a heart attack and I in the hospital. <laughs> Should we happen to see a white Jeep Grand, Grand Cherokee while we're recording our thing, I'll be sure to call 911. Hey, you're wow. the only one near a window, so. I am near a window that is looking out over a roof. That is. Yep. <laughs> that is okay. If, I know because that used to be my bedroom. Yep. If a Jeep, if a white Jeep Grand Cherokee, I don't know, ramps over <laughs> a lawn and lands on the roof next door, I will call 911. But. I'd probably have called 911 anyway. So that, okay, yeah. now that my intestines are in my mouth. <laughs> I haven't finished that book. It's interesting so far. Okay. Ox Run Station. But as far as I can tell, everyone loved Charles Grant. They thought he was a great guy. Uh, funny, like really witty and wacky. Like people are like, he's a zany guy. He got famous, though, in the horror circles for writing what he termed quiet horror, which is horror that doesn't build to, like, a giant, like, cataclysm, but is more just, like, about being generally creepy and sort of filling you with dread and then kind of, like, having this payoff that's, like, uh, this isn't going to resolve in any friendly way, which is what I could say if Damon comes is kind of about, it kind of does, but since you love it so much, since it's now your favorite book ever written... I actually think this is my favorite story in the book so far. Holy Spumoni. Okay, well, why don't you tell us more or less what Damon Comes is about? Um, so it's about this guy named Frank. Mm-hmm. Is that a normal enough name for you? I know so many Franks. I enjoy a good a hot dog Frank. I like Franks and Beans. It's a good name. <laughs> so if there's food named after it, it is a, it is a valid name. If there was a Damon sandwich or a Damon soup, I would be like, good name. One sec. If you were looking up if there is a Damon sandwich <laughs> or soup, I'm ending this podcast and erasing it from the internet. Uh, there is actually a company that makes food called Damon. I am sure there is. So tell us more about Frank. Is he a friendly? Well, we the podcast. Is he I had a... to. I had to. What? <laughs> yes, true. Is he a friendly guy? Is he a sad guy? Is he a happy dad? He's... What is he? It's really hard to get a read on him in the beginning of the uh, the story. He at the beginning of the story, he's looking for a cat that ran away. I think yeah. it was a stray cat that uh, I don't know. It, it's that part's a bit confusing because I never like, did they get the cat for Damon or were they just feeding the cat? I don't know. Damon is sitting outside the house with a saucer of milk waiting for the cat to come back. And Frank goes out looking for it for like five minutes. Yeah. And Damon is his son who's young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's eight, I think, is what the yeah. thing said. Uh, 
he monologues a bit to himself. He sure does. <laughs> about uh, how Damon's, all Damon's pets die, and he's had two stillborn sons. Yeah, um, and a bunch of runaway pets. No, they died. They died? I thought that they ran away. No. Damon, in his short eight years, had lost two dogs already to speeders, a canary to some de- disease he couldn't even pronounce, and two brothers stillborn. Oh, I guess you're right. You're right. Um, so let's talk about these pets, because this becomes kind of a thing in this story. Mm-hmm. Did Damon kill the pets? Um, well, I think that since they blamed cars on the dogs, I think that uh, it was clear that the dogs were killed by cars. I don't think Damon is some supernatural psychopathic entity. Okay, I'm trying so to my get question at. about... Da- okay, so... <laughs> I guess... Okay, so the pets have... Okay, he's lost all these pets. He doesn't care about the cat, right? Frank Dad, doesn't. No. Frank doesn't. He's like, whatever. Yeah. And he keeps talking about how Damon just shows up places. Mm-hmm. This eight-year-old boy, like, Frank will be at work, and he'll look out the window, and Damon will just be standing there. Or he'll be driving his car, and Damon will just be on the side of the road, like, waiting for him. What gets me about this um, section is he blames Damon for everything that's gone wrong in his life. Why is this story not called Blamin' Damon? I don't know. That would be a much better title. He does blame Damon for everything. This guy has a lot of weird feelings about his child. Mm-hmm. He seems to care about his child. Yeah. Or he seems to think his child cares about him. How does Damon just show up places? Kids are weird, man. <laughs> okay, but like, so one of the major plot points of the story is that Frank went to a party late at night. He was at a party late at mm-hmm. night, and he kissed a woman there who was not his wife. He kissed her under a street lamp. And then he looked up, and Damon was standing there. Like this eight, yeah. this little boy. He's probably seven at the time. And and he was like, oh, oh no, my... my and he never explains, like, how this child keeps showing up. I thought for most of this story, like a bulk of the story, I was like, oh, we're going to find out that Damon's been dead a long time and that he's a ghost. Like, that's what it seems like. Because both of the parents seem kind of freaked out about this boy, and he just shows up places. So I thought, oh, he's a ghost. He's like this little ghost boy. We're going to find out that he's been... But no, he's just a boy. I think um, part of the thing is missing information. We don't know how big this town they're in is. Because they make a big deal about Damon moving to the city later on. Mm-hmm. So it might be relatively easy for Damon to get places. And to be completely honest, these two don't seem like the best parents. They're a little uh, negligent uh, yeah. uh, throughout the story. Um, and eight-year-olds have a lot of autonomy at this point. I guess it's true. It is 1978. Yeah, I'm thinking this is this town sort of like Northfield in Minnesota. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people, like, people live there, and it's a known place, but it is small, and it is about a 45-minute drive from the city. It's, you know, it's yeah. it's a little isolated, but it's, you know, it's got a, you know, a, it's got a restaurant, and it's got a, a library, and it's got, you know, it's not yeah. Nowheresville. It's not a farming community. But, but I, think, I think you can walk pretty much everywhere. Mm, that makes sense. But how does so Damon think... always know where he is? <laughs> Well, I mean, he, adults have pretty strict schedules, like especially a lawyer. <laughs> I guess it was the party, especially. And the way that Damon's just sort of like creeping, like you look up and he'll just be staring through a window at you. I don't know. Something mm-hmm. about this made me suspect this boy was a ghost the whole time and he's not the whole time. So I was confused. That's fair. I didn't really get the ghost vibe from the child. Maybe because I think children are creepy already. That's true. 
So the wife, the mom, is in a it's like a singing group or a choir. She started like singing recently. I thought she was just like a performer at like a club or something. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was actually confusing it with another story I was reading. That's right. <laughs> oh my god, I just reread Our Town, and I was actually confusing it with choir practice in Our Town. I was like, she's a choir practice. There's a drunk choir teacher. No, wait, that's Our Town. Uh, her her son has never heard her sing. That's a that's a major plot point. And why not? Because. Because she starts too late. Yeah, she's out late, and that and that has taken her away from her apparently wifely duties of washing the dishes and dusting the furniture. That's what he says. He's like the dishes are now all piled up, and uh, the furniture never is always covered in dust. See, I have real problems with doing chores, but even I know washing the dishes doesn't take that long. <laughs> right. Um, Just get a dishwasher. So Frank and his wife uh, are obviously having issues. They're not intimate anymore. Uh, they're worried about their boy, and she's never at home in the evenings. And they have a big argument. Oh, and also, she knows that Frank doesn't care about the pets, the, the missing animals. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, these two like stillborn babies she had, which that's pretty heavy stuff for a for a relationship but they don't talk about that that's like as you i guess it's tossed off in a sentence all the arguing is about these animals but i have to believe as like so you mentioned most of this story is apparently unsaid like it's just yeah there's stuff going on we don't know about i'm going to assume those two stillborn children are a major part of this oh yeah, yeah. um especially like the the relationship issues definitely um mm-hmm. i think there's Given the theme of everything else that has died, yeah, um, the fact that the father didn't like the creatures, I think there is something to be said about the father's feelings towards his wife's children. Yeah, I'm going to assume that like when they're talking about you didn't even like those animals, they're talking about mm-hmm. the kid, like the kids, like uh, in the potential for these children. Um, yeah, yeah, because maybe. Maybe I don't get bad vibes. I don't really get bad vibes from Damon. He just seems like a kid. Maybe it's because he just, I mean, he kind of, not like later on when he's supposedly a ghost. He uh-huh. kind of just seems like a kid who's on the spectrum. Maybe. We um, we see also, so like, little of him that it's hard to tell. Yeah. And also like a kid who's been through a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. like a bunch of dead pets and two dead brothers that he's being blamed for by his father. Right. And then, like, witnessing his father, like, kissing a woman, another woman, uh, mm-hmm. late at night when you were out following your dad to a party, I guess. Uh, I think, um, I mean, it could have been that they were all at a party. It could have been, like, a family party. I guess. I mean, the it's, father it's... obviously has issues. Frank has issues. I wouldn't put it past him to get... I guess, yes, yeah, true. drunk at a family-friendly party. But he, uh, that, that, but that point, and that point comes back up because he was always like, he felt guilty and weird about it. But then he's like, well, apparently it didn't really bother Damon because Damon never said anything. Uh, but he and his wife get into this argument and there's this point where it says the argument was familiar and old and so was the rage he felt stiffening his muscles. But this time she Mm -hmm. wouldn't stop when she saw his anger. She kept on and on and he didn't even realize it when his hand lifted and struck her across the cheek. She stumbled back a step, whirled to run out of the room and stopped. Because then Damon is standing there and he sees his father hit his mother. And Mm -hmm. the hitting the wife is the moment where I was like, okay, I don't care about this guy anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're, you're kind of a POS and, and you just hit your wife. And I know that in the 1970s, especially like at this point, it was still like 
hitting your significant other across the face, be it wife on husband, husband on wife, was more seen as like a dramatic tool. Like it was a tool in your toolbox as a writer. Like, yeah, have a slap in that scene. And that'll like, that punctuates it. Like that's a a dramatic choice. And I remember learning in acting class, they were like, playwrights write slaps in because it's dramatic and the audience goes, ooh. But in real life, like people don't slap each other unless there's something terribly wrong in that relationship. Someone is very violent. Um, Slapping is like not a real thing that happens that often in a healthy situation. You don't Mm -hmm. walk away from a slap. Like that changes everything. In this story, he slaps her, and that doesn't seem to be the deciding factor in anything. Uh, It's just another bad thing that happened one night. I think that um, Damon's reaction is really interesting, Mm -hmm. because it seems a lot like a kid who's trying to keep his father happy. Right. So it doesn't escalate. Because, yeah, because Damon, like, pulls closer to his dad after witnessing this. Mm -hmm. Um, It could also be a kid seeing his mom is weak, which happens in abuse situations as well. Right. Um, but as we find out later on, that's not it at all. Is it not? At least that's what I would took. I thought I took t- the meaning of it at the end of oh, the story. Oh, I, I take everything, everything this guy narrates with a grain of salt. True, true. I guess that's one of my also confused parts of this story is that, uh, is that this guy is narrating the story and he, he's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. I mean, he's not, it's not in first person. But it's very much from his point of view. But it's all from his point of view. Yeah, that's what is. I don't remember what that's called, where it's like this limited viewpoint. Um, it's third person. I should know this. I just took a creative writing class. Third person um, limited. Third person limited. So it's essentially first person. You're just, it's a, it's a, what is it called through a, in a video game where it's the camera is over the character's shoulder, but it's not first person shooter. It's that like, third-person <laughs> perspective, but like over-the-shoulder camera. Uh, it's it's that you're almost first-person, but you're not quite. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So their relationship gets worse and worse. Damon gloms onto his father more and more. Uh, starts showing up places again. The mother f- is getting more and more upset. And then finally, they they get divorced. They mm-hmm. they file for divorce. They separate. She takes Damon and moves to the city. And Damon reacts strongly about that. He's like, I don't want to move to the city. I can't move to the city. Like, I, I, I need to live in this town. Um, in a, in a, like, in a, like, in a desperate way. Like, you get the sense that, like, something bad's going to happen if this boy moves to the city. Again, I, I feel like that could be a trauma response. Uh-huh. Um, due to everything that's happened in his life, he feels he can't be away from his father. I feel like it's more about him being away from his father than it is about him staying in the town. Right. Um, I just think he doesn't know how to articulate that because he's an eight-year-old. Right. Right. I mean, but still, considering it's a horror story set in a haunted town, like, there might be... I don't know. Like, it's... there, And considering how it ends, like, there might be... And yeah, considering what happens uh, to the boy... Like, it's it gets... As you as you keep it reiterating, it gets weird, but also there's so much that's not spelled out for us. Yeah, for me, I don't know. I didn't read this story as actually containing anything supernatural. Mm, okay. Um, what I think happened. Here's my interpretation. I think Damon went to the city because he was doing very well in the city at first. He starts he making good friends. Grades, he gets he was good making grades. friends. Um, and then he gets sick. But I don't think him getting sick had anything to do with leaving the town. So yeah, so he 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 loses custody of his child, and they make it clear, especially in 1978, they're like, yeah, there's no way you would have gotten custody of this boy. Uh, you're a man. Uh, he's elementary school age. 
got dads just don't get custody of their kids, especially at this point. So mm-hmm. he loses custody. He only gets like to see him every once in a while. He makes calls as often as he can. Uh, Damon, he does not. Damon has, but Damon was looking weird and thin before all yeah. this started. Like he notices it the night Could the cat. Be. What? Yeah, could be due to the stress of every of his home life. To be completely honest, that's very true. Uh, so Damon gets sick, but he doesn't know Damon's gotten sick. Uh, that's that that part upset me a little bit because although he is a piece of garbage, I think that he had the right to know that his son was in the hospital in critical condition. Right, because he the mom stops contacting him. Uh, yeah, and then he finds out that it's because Damon's been in the hospital for a week, and so he rushes yeah. to the city and mm-hmm. gets in an argument with the mom. And I'm back out like, why didn't you tell me our boy was uh, our boy was in the hospital? Uh, and oh, this is oh, by the way, this is after we have discovered that Damon did tell the mom he saw his dad mm-hmm. kissing the woman. And that's a weird little moment where he's like, I told you weren't supposed to do that. And uh, and that was kind of the deciding factor. Yeah, that's that's the part where um, I feel like Frank's interpretation of the situation is wrong. Hmm. Um, because I think that, I don't think Damien, Damon. Damien, who the hell is Damien? Uh, Damien. I don't think Damon really, like, I think Damon was definitely trying to get pull closer to his father, maybe because he wanted to keep his family together. Mm-hmm. But I think Damon was loyal to his mother in the end. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, he told his mother what he witnessed and. Yeah. And I think, I think when Frank is freaking out, I think, I don't think Damon, I think Damon loved him, but I also think Damon hated him. Well, that's what we get to in the end. So Damon ends up dying in the hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. From pneumonia. He, yeah, he, and he just kind of, he wastes away. He dies. And uh, Frank returns. Uh, his, Frank calls his wife a murderer, which is right. a great moment. Yeah. And uh, and she is kind of, she, you can tell she feels guilty too. She's like, I'm sorry, I should have told you our son was sick. Um he gets back to the house. His, you know, he gets back to Oxrun Station, and he starts thinking he sees Damon in the places that he would see Damon when Damon would just show up unannounced mm-hmm. uh, before he moved. That's not uncommon in grief, though. Well, of course not. No, and he even thinks like maybe, uh, maybe I'm just imagining this. And then one morning he sees actually he sees footprints in the snow. He tries to get uh, a doctor friend of his to look at the footprints. By the time he gets there, the footprints are gone, or are they? Um, Again, that could be imagining things. No, of course not. No, that's what I'm saying. Because uh, it's been made clear that he's been drinking a lot as well. Right. And then one day he finds a dead cat on his doorstep. The dead cat. The dead cat. Uh, its neck mm-hmm. is broken. It's dead. And that's when that's when things really start taking a turn. Yeah. That, that part's pretty unexplainable. <laughs> well, yeah. And then he's like, okay... If Damon's ghost is here, why, okay, what is going? Like, did Damon's ghost do this? Did, did this boy do this? He gets this first idea that Damon is so obsessed with him that his ghost is now like with him because his ghost, because Damon always wanted to be with him. Mm-hmm. But then he's he's talking to his wife on the phone, and he suddenly comes to the realization that his son didn't love him. Mm-hmm. That He's being punished by his son and that the ghost will now haunt him forever. Is that what it is? If there is a ghost. (laughs) Um, But it ends with him yelling to his wife, 
you've got to do something for me, Susan. Damn it, can you hear me? And then this voice, maybe of Damon going, Daddy, I'm, and he says, for God's sake, Susan, if Damon comes, tell him I'm sorry. And then the voice of the boy or something says, home. If Damon comes where? To her house? I don't understand. I don't know. He's not making a lot of sense at the end of this. He's not making a lot of sense at the end of this. But again, I don't blame him. As as much of a terrible person as he was, his son did die. And no, he's been yes. drinking him, himself to death, probably. Uh, he's not getting any help for his grief. He's just sitting in this house where his son used to live all alone. Yeah. And he's refusing to believe that his hallucinations are anything... Uh, are the hallucinations. Like, of course he's going to be sort of unhinged near the end. Right, because the house starts getting cold, the light bulb shatters, uh, the the phone receiver is so cold he can't touch it, um, and that's when he starts. uh, Mm. Not since the night on the corner in the fog, not since the night he had not really tried to locate a cat with a milk-white face. That's since that night, Damon has stopped loving him. Damon knew, and Damon didn't love him. Uh... And then, and then he hears him saying, "You've been a bad boy, Daddy, Daddy, that's Daddy." That's a weird. It's a weird line. Um, and if I read it, if you do a reading on it, where this is just the guilt pangs of a grieving father who felt he was a bad dad, a sad dad, bad dad, then I'm like, okay, but I don't find that an interesting story. Like, I but do. if I don't, I guess I just don't. I'm like, okay, like. That's something, I guess. But I'm also like, what's with the dead cat? And what's with this being in... Cats die all the time. They do turn up dead on your doorstep all the time with broken necks. That does happen. Yeah. <laughs> but and if it's all in his imagination, I guess I just don't find that... Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? I don't find that compelling. Um, I mean, it's just my interpretation. No, I... Mostly because I don't I understand believe that. in ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is a ghost. Uh, I mean... I don't believe in ghosts either, but I also know that in these stories that some of these stories ghosts are real because <laughs> they're make they're made I'm up. I'm trying to do a thing. I'm trying to do a thing where I don't take things at face value. Okay. Because that's what I do all the time, um, and it's it's one of my biggest flaws when it comes to close reading. Okay. I don't look for interpretations in the text, so I'm trying a thing here, man. I guess it's. My frustration with that, though, comes from, like, is a story then, is a short story like this a puzzle to be decoded, or is that doing a disservice to the story? I mean, this is that whole, like, close reading thing. Like, are we supposed to puzzle out what's actually happening in a story, or is that doing a disservice to the story? I mean, you've been in classes longer and more recently than I have, so. Well, I have an essay to write on. On what? Frankenstein? Yeah, it should be fine. Oh, really? It is on Frankenstein? <laughs> yep. So how did so you said that rereading Frankenstein has put you in a in a a weird mood regarding this tale. What parallels do you see with this tale in this tale with Frankenstein? Well, Frank ha- <gasps> Oh no, maybe it is a Frankenstein story. <laughs> Oh no, we, we totally missed it. You you heard me start to laugh and then I just began to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the father, Frank. Reminds me a lot of Victor. Mm-hmm. I think Victor's probably at least a slightly better person. Okay. Uh, he's also my age, so I believe that has something to do with his maturity levels in the book. But the, the woe is me attitude and the uh, the 
refusing to see what's right in front of you. Mm. Because it, it I, I don't know, I feel like it's abundantly clear that the child is up to something. Like that the child and the wife... Oh, I what? see. Like, they're... It's, I think it's pretty clear that... Like, the child's stalking his father and staring at him through a window. Yeah. You don't do that if you're not up to something. <laughs> you don't Unless do that in a love. But he's also, like, eight. So is that fair? Is it fair to do a that kind of a read can you on a imagine, child's actions? Can you imagine if you were at work and you looked out the window and pressed against the glass staring at you was Mitzi? Okay, well, I work on the second floor, so that would be very, <laughs> very unusual, especially since I don't work near a window. So it'd be like, there's my coworker, Jessica, like screaming because my child is like pressed up against the window Salem's Lot style. But I get what you're saying. But, it, but I wouldn't say if Mitzi just showed up at my office in Roseville, Minnesota, <laughs> I wouldn't be like, that child's up to something. I'd be like, something terribly wrong is occurring. Like not even supernatural, but I'd be like, if if my if my eight year old Mitzi's not eight, she's ten. But if my eight year old felt compelled to find me at work and not say what was going on, I wouldn't be like, you're up to something. I'd be like, there is a there is like an emotional issue. There is a there is a. I wouldn't think that child was conniving. I would think that child is upset about something or not yeah, expressing. Yeah, that's what I'm. Okay, that's what I mean. I don't think the child is a secret mastermind. No. I think that it's abundantly clear that the child this isn't this isn't the child doing something positive. Okay. No. This isn't the child pressing his face up against the window, staring at his father blankly because he wants to tell his father he loves him. I, okay, fair enough. I do I agree with you on that. None of this story is positive, uh, no matter what read you're doing on it. Um, I, I think part of my part of my trouble comes from the fact, and this is unfair i guess on my part as a reader is knowing that this story is set in a town that the writer has deliberately written to be a mysterious town with supernatural he has stories set in this he did later stories set in oxford station's past one that involves a dracula one that involves a wolfman and one that involves the mummy because uh, he wanted oh, he man i thought we were gonna get the whole song there the, nope one that involves <laughs> no Batman. Batman. <laughs> Batman. Uh, this town is supernatural. Like supernatural things happen. Knowing that has colored my expectations and my perceptions. That might yeah, be unfair. I, com- I completely forgot that. So yeah. I had a much different read than you did. <laughs> but also knowing that this is set, this is included in an, a collection called The Dark Descent and the chapter called Color of Evil uh, that. All of these stories leading up to this have, to one degree or another, had a supernatural component. Have they? Uh, haven't they? Has there been a single story that hasn't had a supernatural component? I could be wrong. Um, well, it wasn't the whimper of whipped dogs because we've discussed that that, that had a that has. had a blood <laughs> demon at the end. That literally had a man get torn. To, we've mentioned this in every episode since then. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that there are some that are less. Well, Belson Express. That's true. That was, okay, that could be purely hallucinatory. Uh, was probably purely hallucinatory. Um, yeah. What was Young Goodman Brown about? Guy finds the devil in the woods. The, oh, literally, right. literally the devil. Um, uh, the Summer People didn't have a supernatural thing in it. That totally had a supernatural thing. Well, it had like a weird cult in it. 
Uh, didn't have a weird cult in it. It was just a town that hated outsiders. But, you know, they were a weird cult town. I mean, like, Evening Primrose didn't necessarily have anything supernatural. It just had the weird, like, the weird... Yeah, uh, this doesn't this doesn't have supernatural stuff in it. It just has his bad father and a weird kid. It does have a bad father, but it could have a supernatural thing at the end if you do a supernatural... Because mm-hmm. he thinks there's a ghost. Like, there could very well be a ghost. It could actually be a ghost at the end that's haunting well, yes, the bad dad, sad dad, because he's a bad, sad dad. Maybe the mm-hmm. ghost comes... Like It could be that the child so didn't want to leave Ox Run Station, as he says, like, I can't live in the city. He dies, and his... His loathing of the father draws him back there. It's not a ghost returning because it wants to be with someone. It's a ghost returning because it wants to punish someone. Does that make sense? I mean, most ghosts return because they want to punish someone. I had so much trouble getting to sleep last night because because I had made the mis- I had made the mistake of either reading or watching. So- oh, I watched. I have seen it, but not in a while. I watched a video on the movie Hereditary, and I then was trying to get to sleep, and I kept flashing onto images from the movie, which, like it or not, has some pretty upsetting imagery in it. And I was laying in bed, and then I started flashing onto this story, which is just a, you know, could end with a man being tormented by a ghost. And as I was falling asleep, I had a bad flash of being haunted by oh also I am reading to Mitzi the the novelization of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie which <laughs> you would think that's hilarious but in the novelization you flash into you keep having flashbacks to uh to Aaron Gilbert the Ghostbuster Aaron Gilbert's childhood mm-hmm. which involves her next door neighbor who was a horrible old woman uh, dying of a heart attack and then Aaron being visited by the old woman's ghost who mm-hmm. stands at the foot of her bed screams at her and then vomits blood all over her every night for a year when she's in like third grade and also the ghost of the woman is described as her jaw is like stretched really far and her whole body has been like unnaturally stretched up to the ceiling so her limbs are very long and her fingers are very long and so i was having trouble sleeping because of the combination of the imagery from hereditary this story about a man being haunted by his own child and then the imagery from the ghostbusters 2016 why did you have to go so deep into that imagery because now i'm gonna have trouble sleeping that i was kept almost falling asleep and then like jangly ghosts kept like popping into my imagination like standing over the bed and uh, you just gotta imagine them doing this dance i would startle that's worse i would startle awake at like jangly bed ghosts haunting me and that has nothing i promise what (laughs) i promise if i die before you i will not come into your room as a ghost stretched into weird proportions not to mention i've literally had uh, uh, sleep paralysis uh, in that bedroom that has caused me to like lay awake screaming uncontrollably at 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 night so uh that was bad and I blame if Damon comes. Thank you, Charles L. Grant, for terrifying me as I tried to sleep last night. You literally said you didn't find the story that scary. But I found the idea of being haunted unto my own uh, unto my own insanity scary. So I guess it worked. I think Mitzi's having trouble sleeping because of that. As I read the book out loud to her, I edited that section. 
Oh, nice. I edited out the description of the ghost because I was like, that's intense. And she doesn't need that. She only needs enough to get her through the plot. Uh, a lot of that novelization, though, is set in Aaron Gilbert and Abby Yates's childhood, and it's very compelling. Uh, and it cuts I out really a lot like of that movie. And it cuts out a lot of the like unnecessary comedy from the movie and makes it this more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Stuff. I actually really like the novelization of the 2016 Ghostbusters, and I would watch a movie about their friendship and childhood being like junior high school and high school age ghost hunters uh i think it's a compelling story that needs to be realized in uh the television or graphic novel form thank you this is my this has been my uh what were we talking about again if damon damon comes comes. there's another interpretation okay that i think we should talk about go for it so we were talking about the name damon earlier okay and the name damon sounds remarkably close to the name demon that is so not a name. Maybe the child is a demon. <laughs> that's not a name. Uh, there's no no one has ever been named demon uh, in the history of anything. Actually, it was a bad name. It's a worse name than Damon. One second. If you are looking up, hey, it is an, a name. Oh, is it now? From what yeah. anime? It's typically a last name. I'm looking at notable persons right now. Okay, name the most famous person whose last name is Demon. If you say Matt Demon, I am going to chuck my computer out the window and possibly hit Mitzi on the way down. Uh, it's tied with Demon. Hey, wait, related names, Damon. <laughs> of course, because it kind of sounds this. No, tell me whose last name is Demon. One sec. I got to find it. I can't find anything. Of course not, because it doesn't exist. <laughs> All sick. I'm getting I'm is wearing... is the last names of demons. <laughs> but uh, Damien is a is a. I think it's a. Why are we talking about this? I know that Damien is a name. <laughs> it's in The Exorcist. It means Father, devil. Father Damien Karras. Uh, no, it doesn't. I don't know. Why are we talking about this? This is unimportant. You brought it up. You're the one who started click, clacking away. <laughs> uh, it means I didn't to mean to tame. say name demon. I meant to say the word demon, but it did mouth error. Okay. Damien means to tame or to subdue, yeah. which makes sense in the context of the exorcist. Um, yeah. Damon. What does Damon mean, by the way? I don't know. It's Greek. Let me Google it. Damon means to tame, subdue. Okay. Yeah, it's very because it's the same thing as Damien, right? This is the worst episode of the show. In German, in German, the name means demon. Great. Good for (laughs) Damien. So the point stands: the kid could just be a demon. He could just be a demon. I don't think he is. Uh, If he is, this story did a bad job of (laughs) setting that up. Uh, But if this story was made into a movie today. He would be a demon because isn't that how all these stories end now? It's not a ghost. It's a demon. You can't exercise it the same way you exercise a ghost because it's a demon. You don't exercise ghosts in the first place. That's the whole point of all those supernatural movies, though. Isn't it like they think there's a haunting. They call in an expert. It's not a ghost. It's a demon. Bad things are going to happen. Someone's going to get picked up by an invisible man and hurled against the wall. That happens in every single haunting movie today, including, yeah, I, was talking... I think, Hereditary. I hate that movie. He just has to slam his nose in the desk. No, I hate that movie so much. You're just not an Ari Aster fan. 
I liked uh, uh, Midsommar. What was it called? Midsommar, yeah. I liked that one a lot. Well, maybe you'll like his next movie. It's going to be a four-hour horror comedy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately shut that down. Ari Aster uh, must go and Nothing faster. is more terrifying than reality. Nothing's more terrifying. That's why I suggest we all stop reading and watching TV and just go sit outside for a while and be spooked like crazy. I was still more talking about like the news and stuff, but we don't have to get into that. I would like to make a movie recommendation, though, uh, if you have not seen it. This is for you and our listeners. If you were looking for a a fun horror movie uh, that is fun, I would recommend the movie Save Yourselves, which is on Hulu and is delightful and weird. And the leads are very, very watchable. And it has... Uh, the weirdest alien invasion I've ever seen in my life. So it's it has very eighty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's very fun, and I enjoyed it a lot. Save yourselves. It is uh, a comedy. What? It is a comedy. It is a comedy in the sense that the characters are fun and funny, and but what is happening is not funny to them. But uh, the characters themselves are charming and. Uh, remind we should me end this episode because we are so too, off topic. Remind me too much of myself. So thumbs up, thumbs down if Damon comes. I liked this story and I stand by my interpretation. I thought it was a well-written story that I did not understand. But that's fine because whatever. I'm not a very smart man. Um, that's not true. What is our next story though? The final story. Vandy Vandy. The final story in the Color of Evil section of this and the final story before we do some movies again, ladies and gentlemen. What's it called again? I'm sorry. Vandy Vandy. Vandy comma Vandy by Manly Wade Wandy. No, Manly Wan... Manly... <laughs> Manly Wanley. Manly... Wa- I can't even say it. Manly Wade Wellman. Manly Wade Wellman. Any one uh, of those... He has man in his name twice. Manly Man. Manly Wellman. Well, manly man, <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I don't know if I've ever read anything by Manly Wade. Well, man, uh, we'll have to figure that out uh, when we get to it tomorrow. I mean, next week. I mean, next episode. <laughs> Vandy Vandy by Manly Wade Wellman. Uh, I have. If you think I have problems with the name Damon, you should hear my opinions on the name Manly, which I think so is so far. A, there's poetry on every single page. I think the name Manly is setting your child up for disappointment. Failure. Uh, if you try to look up the first name Manly, you just get names that people consider Manly, like Andre. Who else is named Manly? Or Angus. Uh, That's. <laughs> on examples, Manly Barton, Manly Miles, Manly Palmer Hall, and Manly Wade Wellman. You get Manly Wade Wellman. Those are the famous Manlies. But I believe uh, Manly was also the first name of a character in the House on the Prairie. I think there's a Manly. Because um, I think One that's sec. where I think that's where I first encountered it as a child and was like, that's not a name. Um, <laughs> and then I found out that it was. Uh, is is man oh, that's what they call Almanzo. That's yeah. That's this is an unfortunate picture of the guy who played Almanzo. Is it on the uh, Little House on the Prairie wiki? Because uh, about I th- fandom, yeah. I think that's a, a good name. Apparently, they called Almanzo Manly, which I is that a short? Is that a name? Is that like a 
Is that a nickname for Manly? Uh, for Almanzo? I don't know. Manly Wade Wellman's real name was Manly. Why are we talking about Manly Wade Wellman now? <laughs> there will be so much opportunity for us to discuss Mr. Mr. Manly Man next time uh, when we discuss Vandy Vandy, which is another name that infuriates me because I hate <laughs> saying it. I am sure it's a good story, but I don't want to say Vandy Vandy again. I What's don't want to say. names? name chat this, this episode. I think I'm just I'm on edge right now and I can't wait to watch a movie with you and talk about yeah. it uh, so until next time when we discuss the manliest man and the vandiest van with Vandy Vandy by Wellman the Mandy I am Phil <laughs> and I'm Willow and we'll see you when it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time, time.